Our mystery guest is here, and uh, we have him on the line right now, and uh, nobody knows who he is. Mystery guest, just tell us, just give us a confirmation that you are here. I am here. Excellent. Al, uh, Alan, do you have any idea who this could be? I have no idea who this could be. Well, maybe, and this will probably give everybody a hint, maybe, just maybe, he'll treat us to a poem in a little while. Everyone, please welcome to the shoot, right here on the shoot's one-year anniversary, he is Leaping Lanny Poffo, and some of you might know him as the genius. How you doing, Lanny? I am the genius full of glory and renown. I'm doing great. I'm 53 years old, and I look every day of it. Hey, hey! I, I must admit, I've seen some pictures. You're not looking so bad. Well, I put a little Vaseline on the lens. <laughs> <laughs> How you been, Lanny? Oh, I've been fine. I'm, uh, you know, everybody's either dead or dead broke, and I'm doing great. So, you, you know, uh, everything's everything's fine. Uh, thank you for having me as a special guest star. It, it's excellent to have you here, Lanny. You know, this is our one-year anniversary. But on the year- I never thought you'd make it that far, but uh, congratulations, and I hope uh, I hope it goes on and on. Excellent, I hope so as well. Hey, t- tell tell all your fans that are listening out there uh, what you've been doing to stay busy lately. Well, I've got uh, my website lannypapo dot com, uh-huh. and because of that, uh, if the price is right, I'll be there tonight. I get bookings, and I just came back from France. Uh, I'm going to Toronto uh, very soon, and uh, you know it's been. One thing after another, and uh, you never know. I always check the email. You never know what comes up. Now, there's been a few promoters, actually only one in spe- one specific promoter, uh-huh. who actually lied about whether he's going to pay me a certain amount or not. Uh-huh. But I'm not going to let that one person um, ruin it for all the others because everybody else has been more than fair and more than generous. Yeah, to hell with that guy. He doesn't need to be ripping off the genius. That's the bottom line. Right, you know, and I figured his karma would take care of him, and we don't need to mention his name. All right, well, we, we, we will not do that. I, I swear to you, uh, Lanny, I have no idea who he is. <laughs> so you've been, you, basically, in other words, you've been doing uh, various appearances across the country and even abroad in, in the places like Canada and such? Right, are we allowed to talk a little dirty here? Uh, hey, hey, we're, we're uncensored. Absolutely. Uncensored? Uncensored. Yeah, cause you, when you said, because um, I, you, when you said I went abroad, you know, I thought to myself, yeah, I got tired of the food in the United States, so I decided to eat abroad. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, did 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 you did you uh, uh, get with a lot of women while you were on the road in WWF and, and things of that nature? Well, I was married for some of the time. Okay. Um, and I can tell you now that I'm divorced yeah. um, that I know a lot about premarital and postmarital and extramarital sex, but I know <laughs> nothing of marital sex. Oh wow! So so nothing was going on the whole time while you were married, huh? Um, n- nothing in the conjugal bed. Oh, <laughs> nothing wow. in the marital bed. And in fact, marriage is something that I would strongly suggest that you don't try. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the sad news is uh, not to quote. Um, what was it, Rodney Dangerfield? Uh-huh. I, yeah, I thought it was a great lover. It turned out she had asthma. 
So was it was it easy to to hook up with with a lot of broads? Uh, you know, what do you, what do you go? Hey, uh, I'm the genius WWF wrestler. You know, how, how would you pick up a woman in a bar? Well, first of all, I didn't pick up women in bars because okay. I would never be in a bar. Oh, you're not a drinker. Uh, that's right. No, I'm a teetotaler. Actually, I drink a little red wine with my meals if I'm in fine dining. Uh huh. Um, unless I'm not unless I'm driving because you know uh, that's a big deal nowadays too. But a little red wine keeps the platelets in my arteries nice and clean. And that's what we need is clean platelets. Absolutely. Now, what's the difference between, um, let's see, uh, what's the difference between, let's see, a, a flat tire and 365 used condoms? Hmm. I, I, I don't know, Lanny. Well, one's a good year. Uh-huh. And the other was a great year. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. So 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 back to it. How would how would you pick up somebody? You're on the road. How how would you do it? Tell tell me. I'd I'd love to know. Well, what I would do, uh for let me tell you something that happened in in Buffalo, New York, okay? Uh-huh. Are we are we on the air in Buffalo? What's that? Are we on the air in Buffalo? We're Lanny all over the United States, brother. World, Lanny, via podcast and live streaming worldwide. You're being heard in every country that has internet access. Okay, it was December 28th. I just turned 31. It was my birthday. Uh-huh. I was in the Buffalo Auditorium, right. which has now been turned down, uh, torn down. And uh, I go to the dressing room, and there's Pat Patterson, and there's Andre the Giant. Right. And. Uh, now, this has nothing to do with scoring with a woman, but in a sense, it does. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, Pat Patterson says, oh, look at poor Andre. Um, he's here in the dressing room. He's got to be here three more hours, and he doesn't have a deck of cards, and that's what he lives for, is playing cards in the dressing room because he gets really bored. Right. And, you know, he had a bad back, and he's in constant pain. So uh, I go upstairs where the uh, groupies are or the uh, the girls that like to service wrestlers. Sure. And I see about 13 or 14 women. Uh-huh. And immediately, my eyes go to the um, least attractive one. Uh-huh. Okay? And I'm being nice, okay? Right. A- and maybe someone who's not exactly in the springtime of her years. Maybe somebody who's had a few too many uh, donuts, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway... Um, Somebody who's not as taunt as the others. Right. Some, somebody who's in huge, de- huge supply but very little demand. Mm-hmm. So I walked up to her right. and I said, I have a problem. Can you help me? She said, yes. I said, Andre the Giant is downstairs and he doesn't have a deck of playing cards. Here's $10. Can you please? I can't leave and I don't know Buffalo and I know it's snowing. Can you please get Andre a deck of cards? Right. Well, this girl went out in the snow and came back with a deck of cards. And uh, then we had an argument. She wanted to give me back my change. I said, keep the change, you know. <laughs> and I took the cards and I went downstairs and I said, Andre, voila. And he looks at me and he starts to cry. <laughs> and he says, merci beaucoup, monsieur. And he kisses me on both cheeks. Right. And let me tell you, I couldn't get away if I wanted to because he had me by the big bananas, you know. Right. I was like, whoa, you know, and uh, from then on he called me boss man. So, and, uh, so when you talk about how to handle a woman, right. um, everybody's beautiful on the inside. If to the prettiest one, she would have told me to go to hell. 
you know, she's not, why should she go into the, into the blizzard to get a deck of cards for Andre when men have constantly been going into blizzards for her? Right. You see, um, so it's about supply and demand, and you've got to understand how it works. Yeah. If you want something done, go to the ugly one. If you want something done, go to the ugly one. Words to live by, absolutely. <laughs> right. Now, now I have also been with beautiful women, but I'm the one going for the deck of cards. You're the one going for the deck of cards. Right. <laughs> Fantastic. What, what, what was it like uh, being on the road with uh, WWF in the uh, late 80s, early 90s? Describe uh, kind of the surroundings and, and, and the atmosphere. I'd have to say it was out of my 21-year career, the eight years of the World Wrestling Federation were the best of my life, right. definitely. Um, you know, you have a lot of people complaining about every little thing that happened. Well, naturally, travel is hard. Sure. Um, you know, and uh, but what an opportunity. And, you know, there's so many wrestlers with equal talent or better waiting by the phone, home hoping somebody gets a sprained ankle or worse. Right. And, you know, there, it's... Um, there's very few positions, and there's a lot of talent out there, and I consider myself very lucky to have had the career that I did. I have no animosity for anybody. Uh, I'm very grateful, and, uh, you know, I know there's wrestlers that sing a different tune. Sure. But, uh, you know, the thing is, look at me now. I'm healthy, wealthy, and free. Wrestling did it to me. Wrestling made me what I am today. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm just glad I did it, and, and uh, thanks to... Um, the after effect of my fame, um, some promoters still think I'm worth the price of uh, a, a, a plane flight and a, and a, you know, and a payday. Well, you're the genius. Why, why could they not think that uh, you were worth it? Well, it's, you know, <laughs> some do, some don't, but I just come back from France and I'm going to Toronto, and uh, there's a lot of exciting things on the horizon. Absolutely. Sound, sounds very exciting. Now, were, were you always satisfied with the role that you were in, you know, the genius role? Did you ever feel uh, that there was anything better waiting, or were you completely content with the genius character? Well, naturally, uh, I would have given myself the book and the belt, right? Right. Uh, that's what everybody would do when, as soon as they get a little power. But uh, i never forget, uh, it was 1989 in Boston, mm-hmm. uh, Vince McMahon says, Lanny, you're great. We have to fire you, but thanks for all your service, but we've got too many villains. We've got too many heels. We need uh, too many baby faces. We need heels. I said, why don't you make me a heel? Right. And Chief J. Strongbow, remember him? Yeah. He says, well, you, you can't be a, a heel. You're too good looking. I said, well, you were a baby face, and you're the ugliest man I've ever met. <laughs> <laughs> So I said, who am I wrestling today? So I get out there and uh, where I do my, I got my my frisbee and my poem. Right. I I told Vince, watch my match. I'll turn him, I'll turn him villain. I'll turn I'll turn him babyface. So I grabbed the microphone and I said, in Boston, I said, my name is Lanny Poffo. I always know what's up. The Bruins haven't got a chance to win the Stanley Cup. The people went, oh, you know. I said, the Red Sox haven't won in years. I hope they never do. The Celtics are a travesty. The Patriots are too. And there's a, oh, and then a fan jumps in the ring. Right. And you got to be careful when that happens because they don't know it's fake. Right. So he's got his head between the ropes. So I kicked him as hard as I could right in the head and he went flying. <laughs> and then I started the third verse. Right. 
And another fan jumps in the ring before I can start. And this time a policeman had him off at the pass. And they stopped the match. And the match never took place. So I got back to the dressing room realizing that uh, I, had a, I had proved myself. And then says, well, it turns out you weren't as good looking as we thought. <laughs> and he says, you've thought of a gimmick? And I said, how about boy genius with a cap and gown? Because uh, what could be more obnoxious than a boy genius? Right. And he says, well, how about just the genius? But I like the idea. And then that's when I, I went home for a couple months and let my hair grow out. And I started practicing that effeminate walk. Mm-hmm. And uh, my wife at the time said, you're not going to walk around. You have the guts to walk around in the ring like that? And I said, I don't have the guts not to. Everybody's being a tough guy. I'm going to be the opposite. Because uh, Terry Funk told me many years ago, Lanny, uh, if you want to make it in this business, you've got to be peculiar. So uh, since I wasn't born peculiar, I figured I'd act peculiar. Right. And, uh, you know, and then next thing you know, um, how I've become the, the partner of Mr. Perfect and the number one nemesis of the immortal Hulk Hogan. And we break two box office records, one in Los Angeles and one in Oklahoma City. And um, was it worth, ask, please ask me if it was worth 21 years of being a jabroni so I could be on top for eight months. Was it worth it, Lanny? Yes, it was. <laughs> Sounds excellent. It was, was it, uh, you know, what was it like working with Hulk Hogan? I love Hulk Hogan, and a lot of people don't. And, uh, you know, but I'm not one of those guys that says, what have you done for me lately? No, he hasn't done anything for me lately. Right. But he chose me to wrestle on NBC on Saturday night's main event. And, um, you know, he loses to me, and he didn't do that for anybody. And if I sat on his knee, my feet wouldn't touch the floor. Right. You know, so I, I will never be done being appreciative to Hulk Hogan for giving the genius one moment of sunshine in his world. Sounds excellent. Now, I got, I, one thing I, I wanted to know is the, 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 the poems, did, does that come natural to you, or is that something you kind of inherited uh, you know, before the whole wrestling and, and, as far as with the gimmick, or is that something you've just had all along? Uh, that's what I've had all along. Okay. Uh, I was always uh, really interested in uh, accelerated English classes. I, I read a lot. I write a lot. I'm, um, and then I had the great fortune to meet Shel Silverstein twice in my life. Do you know who he is? I've, I've heard the name, yeah. Okay, he wrote um, some books called The Light in the Attic, Falling Up, Where the Sidewalk Ends. He also was a cartoonist for Playboy magazine, and he wrote for Johnny Cash, A Boy Named Sue, and for Dr. Hook, I Want to See My Smiling Face on the Cover of the Rolling Stones. And uh, he's, uh, he died in 1999. Uh-huh. And uh, friendship with him, I only met him twice, but he encouraged me to keep on writing. He was a big fan of wrestling and very big fan of mine. So I met him twice in my life, uh, once because in 1977 he came to the wrestling matches in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And when I came back from Dominican Republic in 1991, I saw him in the Miami airport, and I recognized him, so I uh, introduced myself, and we talked for two hours while I missed my flight on purpose. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I also wanted to ask you, um, I, was, I was reading about how you were actually 
signed by WCW but never actually used. Any, any reason why they never uh, called you up and brought you on TV? Uh, because they had too many chiefs and not enough Indians, and because um, this could have never happened to Vince McMahon. He would have never allowed it. But in the world of uh, Ted Turner, when he decided to go against Vince McMahon, right. he just made, uh, made it an ancillary finger in his uh, empire. And then when he got with Times Warner uh, and became more accountable to a lot of stockholders, uh, he had to uh, take some of the red ink and blot it up. Right. Uh, but the reason it happened is because uh, I, was, I bleached my hair. I got back in shape, tried to anyway. Uh-huh. Uh, and I was going to be the next gorgeous George. I got hair implants uh, to give myself more body. Right. Um, and I was really going to town on this gimmick. Uh, I bought a lot of cap, uh, capes and robes, and I was getting to have a new gimmick. Right. And uh, the phone never rang. And I, was, I kept getting in shape, waiting, and as time passed, um, nothing happened. So um, I wasn't the only one that was on the gravy train either. Right. There were a lot. There were a lot of uh, uh, undeserving people making an awful lot of money, and uh, it's just um, it would. I'd love to say, people knock Vince McMahon all the time. Right. Trust me, he is brilliant. He he would have never allowed that. He he's in the trenches. He's not in the ivory towers. He knows where every penny is going. He would never let uh, not just me, but all these wrestlers, uh, you know, getting paid for not working. Right. Um, you know, it would never happen in his organization. He's too meticulous. Yeah. Now, Vince McMahon, are you still on good terms with Vince? Have you talked with him recently at all or anything of that nature? I've never had an argument with him. I'm not on his Christmas list. Right. Uh, you know, I've, but I, uh, when I was on uh, Hannity and Combs, they tried to get me to talk bad about him. I refused. Oh, so they actually <laughs> encourage you to talk bad about him. Well, they tried to. Right. Um, the thing is, uh, it was one Chris Benoit, right? Yeah, last During summer. the murder. And uh, they asked me, well, did I ever take steroids? And I said, yes. But I wasn't going to throw anybody else under the bus. If anybody else wants to come forward, let them. Exactly. Um, you can only speak for yourself, in other words. Right. And I, I tried to stay away from steroids as long as I could. But when I was given the opportunity to have this break as the genius, when I went home, uh, I decided... Now is the time. And I went on Decadorablin, which is a nice, clean form of steroids, and I took about 11 shots of it between uh, May and October of 1989. And, uh, you know, I don't recommend it. It, uh, As soon as you pull the needle out, your muscles shrink. You know, and, uh, you know, I lost my libido during that time, Mm -hmm. but I was married anyway, so it didn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, how long how long were you actually uh, on the steroids was it for a long period of time short period from of time from May to October 11 injections uh, of Decadorablin from May to October and that's when I quit and uh, you know that's uh, it was just uh, I'm ashamed to tell people that right. but I decided to tell the truth because if I'm going to be influential at all to help anybody that's perhaps at the fork of the road to do I or do I not take steroids, right. I figured I'd have more credibility if I told the truth. Well, I respect you for that. You know, we, we've had people on the show before 
you know, I, I won't even name drop, but we've had people on the show before who like to dodge the question. I mean, you answered it straight up, and I respect you for that, Lanny. I, I really appreciate well, that. The only thing I didn't like about the show was I was on three times, and I appreciate it. And they also said that they would like to have me on again sure. if they ever need a talking head. And I said, sure, I'd be glad to. But, um, you know, why would you want to have um, the ex-wife of Stone Cold Steve Austin on unless you have Steve Austin? I mean, there's... It, I thought this was America. I thought, if you know, if the ex-wife says something, can't I rebuttal? Sure. Like, I wouldn't have the uh, audacity to say bad things about my ex-wife. Let's just let it die because i got a daughter involved. She's going to be 24. But, you know, I don't go bad-mouthing uh, my ex on, uh, you know, on any show, nor do I talk or gossip about her to people. Um, the thing is, um, I'm doing much better than O.J. Simpson. <laughs> so, let's leave it at that, and let's live and let live. So, so in other words, you really didn't like how she came across. That, that's uh, Deborah, no, I, I don't mind how she came across, but I say, where's the yin without the yang? Why don't we have Stone Cold on there to defend himself? All I heard is, here's a guy that isn't even in the room, you know, uh, and he's getting beat up, uh, and he's not even there. Exactly. You know, wouldn't it be more interesting if he were on the show? Absolutely. You know, to to say, listen, bitch, well, you know, what are you saying? <laughs> you know, yeah, there's there a lot more fun anyway. Yeah, sure. You could you could have gotten those two on in, in some sort of dialogue and just just had them go at it right on the show. Right. And you know about Chris Benoit. You know, I knew him, and I promise you, I love the guy. Right. He was. If you would ask me, hey, hey, Lanny, somebody killed their family. Who do you think it was? I could name you 20 guys I thought did it, right? but I would never guess Chris Benoit. I promise you that. And I promise you I did love him. Uh, you know, I, I respected him. I think he was an excellent performer. Right. Um, and uh, especially to be an overgrown midget like he was, you know, to uh, compete in a, man's, in, a, in a big man's business um, and, and make it to the very, very top. But the thing is, um, if he hadn't commit suicide, I would have voted for the death penalty for the guy. Yeah. Because uh, when you go, uh, I don't know, the massacre of the innocent, you take a six-year-old boy or whatever he was, Danny, right. and uh, I mean, that's too incredible. I mean, I loved him, but um, not anymore. Yeah, so after after that, you, you were done. I think a lot of I think a lot of wrestling fans really just, you know, kind of cut the guy off after that. Then you have a lot of them who still say, well, you know what, still respect the guy for, for the wrestler that he was, just didn't like the guy on the outside, off camera, you know, what he did in his personal life. Well, you know, uh, I can't condone that. That's murder. No, I don't think anybody would condone that. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure we've all had motives for murder, but you're not, you know, it's just absolutely reprehensible. And uh, you can't... Uh, you can't condone that. That's especially a little boy. Um, yeah, I'd give him the duck penalty. I'd give him the guillotine. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. I think you know when you you do something like that, man, you should you should absolutely uh, pay for what you did. And, and there's no other way but death. That's just you know my personal. Well, he should save the taxpayers' money by offing himself. Yeah. And I and I don't blame steroids. I mean that'd be like uh, if I got drunk and ran you over with my car and killed you. I say I'm sorry, but aren't you still dead? And it, don't blame the drink, blame the drinker. You know, if you're st so dumb that you have to drink and drive, uh, you're supposed to be in control of yourself. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. I want to switch gears here, Lanny. We're, we're coming up uh, close to the to the top of the hour. Uh, a topic that's been all over the Internet. Now, again, I know you can only speak for yourself, but I, I'm hoping to at least get a comment from you. A lot of people are talking about your brother, Randy Savage, wondering uh, you know, where he is, why there's never been a reconciliation with WWF. Again, I, I, WWE, I know you can't speak for the guy, but what can you add, what can you tell us, give us any perspective on the situation at all? Okay. I cannot speak for the macho man, yeah, you know, but uh, he can do that for himself. I know. And, uh, you know, he's an excellent person. Uh, I love him. He's my brother. And uh, I have, I've read a lot of rumors on the Internet. Sure. And uh, I have no idea whether they're true or whether they're not true. I'm sure you've read the same things about why there might be some justifiable hostility towards him or why there, or there may not be. Right. Um, so it's just conjecture, and I have no idea. All I can say is this. Uh-huh. Uh, every year that goes by, WWE doesn't put Macho Man Randy Savage in the Hall of Fame. Right. Uh, they're making themselves look more and more ridiculous. So in other words, they should just, you know, put him in there already. You know, let's, let's, let's seal, seal the deal there and close the book to this never-ending that, saga, it seems. Well, this is, this is the reason I say that. Okay. Um, first of all, if Randy's not in the Hall of Fame, it's not going to hurt the WWE. Right. And if, um, if, if, if the WWE doesn't want Randy in the Hall of Fame, it's not going to hurt Randy. Sure. Okay, who's getting hurt? The fans. The fans. That's the only people getting hurt. And you know what? Between the wrestlers and the promoters, you know who's more important than all of them? The fans. Because without demand, you have no supply. And without the fans, the sport does not exist. And in my opinion, it is the fans that deserve better. And the fans demand that Randy Savage is in the Hall of Fame. They should get it. Absolutely. Now, WWE doesn't like Bruno San Martino either, but they, they invited him in their Hall of Fame, and Bruno turned him down. Yeah. And then they asked me. It was like several years ago. You know, and I said, I said well, then the fans get hurt. Yeah. Um, because there, there are still some people especially uh, where you're from and in the New York area and the Eastern, you know, yeah. that remember Bruno, and he's not a star. He's a demigod. He's, uh, he's like, huge still. Right. Okay? I mean, uh, he's beyond stardom. He's, he's uh, creme de la creme. He's a walking god for the, a lot of wrestling fans that still remember. Some people don't care about him. I happen to know that there are others that do. And, um, you know, when Bruno turned down the Hall of Fame, he didn't hurt the WWE. He hurt the fans. The fans. And you know what? Everything I have, everything I am, I owe to the fans. Yeah. And I, um, you know, I just think that the fans are being hurt because uh, uh, people are being petty. Well, my last comment on this matter, and then we'll wrap it up. I mean, you know, you look at guys like Bret Hart and all the shit he went through uh, with Vince and the Montreal Screwjob. You look at the turbulent relationship between Hulk Hogan and Vince McMahon, you know, over and over and over again. It's like, why not Randy Savage? What is there? What is lingering there? And I know you probably couldn't answer that, but it's just like, what is lingering there? What is stopping this from happening? Um, what do you think? I don't know. I, 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 <laughs> I honestly don't know. I've been trying to, to think about this. This has been scrambling my brain for a long time, Lanny, I'll be honest with you. For a very long time, if Randy was here, I'd ask him, uh, but he's not here. I, I I'm gonna, okay, I'm going to break a rule. I'm going to say one thing on the Macho Man's behalf. Okay. 
Don't worry, he's not going to miss any meals. He's not going to miss any meals. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Lanny, uh, before before we go here... Uh, whoa, 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 before we go, i got to get this in really quickly. Okay. I want to know, uh, know your thoughts on, um, on uh, your... Your time that you spent with uh, Kurt Henning, Mr. Perfect, on the road and as a performer. Well, being with Kurt Henning was the epitome of my career. And um, he was really a fantastic person. Uh, my brother loved him, too. I don't think there, I don't think he – I can't – I don't know anybody that didn't love the guy. Um, what happened was – do you know how he died? Uh, was it something that had to do with, like, uh, a heart attack? Um, what happened was he was um, actually flying from his home in Robbinsdale, Minnesota, you know, Minneapolis, and he yeah. came to Brandon, Florida, and he was found dead in his uh, hotel room. And uh, it was, I waited for the toxicology report. He had been partying with one of the wrestlers, uh, who shall remain nameless because he's still alive. Right. And uh, he got uh, acute uh, cocaine. Uh, that's what the toxicology report said. I promise you guys, I never remember Mr. Perfect, Kurt Henning, doing any cocaine, uh, smoking any cigarettes. He didn't even, I don't remember anything. He didn't even drink when I knew him. Um, but it was only a four-month period that we were together. Right. So whatever the report says, what you see is what you are. So, um, you know, I was... Um, I was sorry that was the reason, but let's just learn from it, please. Um, there's been, you know, and to be quite honest with you, people say, are you shocked at all the wrestlers that have died? No, I'm shocked there aren't more. For example, Jake the Snake Roberts, uh, he must be the toughest man in the world. You know, he's been trying to kill himself for the, all these years, and he's still alive. Right. You know, and there's a guy with one of the greatest workers I've ever seen in my life, one of the greatest interviews. He had a... Um, he had what Terry Funk called, he was peculiar. You know, I mean, people loved his DDT and his snake gimmick. You know, and here he, here he is uh, treating himself like that. You know, I wish he could love himself the way all the fans do. Yeah. Do you agree or disagree? Mm, no, Jake, I agree. Jake, Jake Roberts is one of the greatest performers, and he's throwing it all down the toilet. Without question. I mean, Jake Roberts definitely is, you know, one of the most recognizable wrestlers of the 80s and 90s, arguably, for sure. And when I was leaping Lanny, uh, they brought Jake Robertson. I was the guy that was his personal jabroni for about 15 different nights in a row. And uh, you know what? We always had a good match, and he always made me look good, um, you know, beating, uh, losing to him. I actually met more in that town because I wrestled Jake the Snake. He's great. I mean, he wasn't good. He was fantastic. And he took mediocre workers and he raised them up to high heights. Um, but you know what? Um, your, your body is fragile. And if you feed it the wrong... Like, for example, right now, on my refrigerator, I've got a picture of Jack LaLanne because I'm going to be 90 years old and productive. That's my goal. Sounds like a fantastic goal to have, Lanny. <laughs> well, thank you, and I, w I would like to invite you all to go on to LannyPapo.com, check it out, and I always answer all my email because I type about 95 words a minute, and I'm being modern. That's, 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 pretty, that's pretty fast. Um, 
before before we let you go, Lady, I, w- I was wondering. I mean, I don't know how 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 uh, quick the poems come to you, man. But I was almost wondering if you had anything in mind uh, on the shoot's very first birthday. If there's anything that uh, any any thoughts that you had on the matter in, in poem form. Okay, so it's, tell me the truth. This is the one year anniversary, and you had and you and you had me on as a special guest star. I'm flattered. Absolutely, we love now, who you. Who are man. the who are the fellows involved? This is Gary, and and we have Alan over there as well. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, I can give you some very good advice. Excellent. Um, I mean, because you um, – and I wrote this, and uh, I didn't wrote it specifically for you, but it's pretty good advice because, uh, you know, you've had your one-year anniversary. Yeah. If you didn't have it going on, you wouldn't have made it one year. Right. So uh, be humble when victorious. Be noble in defeat. Be there when your neighbor hasn't got enough to eat. Try to love your enemies and always be aware – that in the Super Bowl of life, the tortoise beats the hare. Fantastic, Lanny. Very well said. And I want to thank you again for joining us here on the shoot's very first anniversary. And, and we hope to have you back. We'd love to have you and get you on for some more time, uh, definitely again very soon. Uh, thank you, Lanny. Oh, thank you. Have a good Bye-bye. night, everybody. You too.